Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining me today for part two on the subject, Will God Take Me Back? Uh, Both in 1929 and in 2008, economic experts everywhere claimed they knew exactly what they were doing. Yet not a single person could fix the series of mistakes that crashed the world's economy. After these financial crises, many were rightly furious at the fraudulent bankers who systematically destroyed the world's economy for their own personal gain. At the Wall Street brokers, they were ticked off because they received bailouts and little to no jail time, while millions lost everything. To avoid future financial catastrophes, a library in Edinburgh, Scotland, has compiled a collection of sensible economic literature that aims to educate the next generation of economists. It's called the Library of Mistakes. Did you know that the Library of Mistakes contains over 2,000 books, all relating to the economics, all relating to finances? Book titles sizzle with the messages of it all. The Crash of the Titans, The Crunch, The Debt Shock, Too Big to Fail, and The Manipulators. You know, the Library of Mistakes was inspired by the 2008 Great Recession, which served as a perfect example of how, according to the library's curators, how smart people keep doing stupid things. The library's curators argue that the only way to build a strong economy is to learn from our mistakes. Well, ultimately, the Library of Mistakes encourages self-reflection and a serious study of history. In the wise words of George Santayana, for those who cannot remember the past, we are condemned to repeat it. And given the turbulent state of our world today, such advice could not be more timely. So today, as we look at the book of Hosea, part number two, Let me quickly review where we've come from. We've learned so far that God uh, wants us to come back. He accepts us to come back into the family. But when we come back, we've got to walk in his ways. In other words, we can't come back to him and keep doing what we've always been doing. We've got to have a change in the way that we walk. And then secondly, we learned yesterday that we've got to also not only change the way that we walk, but we, we must live in his words. You see, the Israelites. They were really after a feeling, right? But God was really after faithfulness. He wanted them to live in the word of God, not to turn a blind eye to God's word, but to follow God's word. You know, whenever a culture follows God's word, it always does well. Whenever a culture begins to deviate from God's word, oh, it takes a while, it takes quite a while uh, to get off track. It takes a while for God to allow judgment to fall because God is patient. He's long-suffering. But when we get off track, God wants us to come back, and he wants us to live in his word. So we looked at Hosea 4 and 5 and 6 and 7, and today we're looking at chapters 8 and 9. And the third point that we're going to cover is learning from my wrongs. In chapter 8 of Hosea, uh, the first verse says, put the trumpet to your lips. An eagle is over the house of the Lord 
because the people have broken my covenant and rebelled against my law. Uh, So it's put out there, and uh, the people are falling under conviction. They rebelled against the word of God. They broke God's covenant. Verse number 11, though Ephraim built many altars for sin offerings, uh, these have become altars for sinning. They didn't learn their lesson. Uh, They're continuing on in this sinning pattern. They're still going to church. They're still offering their sacrifices. They're still building these altars, but these altars are altars that they're sharing with the worship of Baal. You know, when you think about learning money management from your mistakes, when people were asked, which of the following taught them the most about personal money management? Top of the list, they said, my mistakes. 64% of the people said, you know what? I finally got control of my finances when I finally learned from my mistakes. When I finally learned I can't have 15 credit cards all maxed and and expect to be having good, solid management of my money. So 64% of those who finally got uh, control of their finances learned from their mistakes. The travesty is so many people never learn from their mistakes. And I've discovered this has nothing to do with intellect. Uh, Some of the most intelligent people keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. When I look at the nation of Israel, and even when I look at my own heart sometimes, the dismal failures that I've had in my life oftentimes have resulted from me not learning from my mistakes. You know, God has given us his wonderful word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, these things happened to them as an example. He's talking about those who were persecuted for their faith, those who went through difficult times for their faith. And he says, it was written down for our instruction of whom the end of the ages has come. You see, oftentimes when we think about learning a lesson, uh, we wrongly think that experience is the best teacher. Well, I think experience is probably the most lasting teacher, but I think the best teacher is to learn from the mistakes of others. You see, I don't have to become a drug addict to discover that being a drug addict is not good for your life. I can look at those who have ruined their lives through addiction, and I can say, I don't want to make the same mistakes they have made. I want to learn from their mistakes. Well, unfortunately, we tend to be slow learners. When we get into chapter 8 of Hosea, we discover that Israel is turning to golden calves. Golden calves are used on the altars of sin. And verses 1 through 4 says, Having turned from God, they looked to their king and their wealth to deliver them. Now, isn't this ironic? Verse number 5, the golden calf that Jeroboam had set up had not helped them. Now, immediately when I see this golden calf, my mind goes back to the story of Moses. You remember Moses led the people through the wilderness, and and they're not too far into the wilderness, and and Moses decides that he's going to go up to Mount Sinai, and he's going to pray to the Lord, and and the Lord's going to give him commandments on how God's people should live. They're called the Ten Commandments. Well, Moses is up there for 40 days, and he's up in the mountain. And as he's up there, the people do something very bizarre. Under the leadership of Aaron, 
They bring all of their jewelry, their earrings, all their gold cufflings, uh, and they put it into a fire, and they formulate a golden calf. Now, they hadn't learned their lesson, right? They are turning back to an Egyptian god worshiping a calf. As a matter of fact, today, there are still many people who think the calf is sacred, right? Uh, Let's worship the cows. They're worshiping this golden calf. Do you remember what happened? Moses begins to come down, and Joshua says, it sounds like the people are at war. It sounds like a battle is going on. As they get a little bit closer to the valley where the people are, uh, Moses says, oh, no, no, this is not... um, This is not the cry of a battle. This is a celebration. They are celebrating something. And Moses gets down there. What does he he see? He sees them worshiping this golden calf. Well, Moses does what every good prophet of God would do. He confronts the person in charge, and he says, Now, Aaron, what in the world's going on here? Now, I've discovered something, that when we are confronted when it comes to our matter of sin, oftentimes our first defense is to be defensive and to be deceptive. Well, that's exactly what Aaron did. Uh, he didn't tell the truth as to what happened. He says, well, you know, these people, they're, they're an obstinate people, and, uh, and they, they brought all their, their jewelry together, and they brought all their cufflings and their earrings, and they threw it in this fire, and lo and behold, this, this golden calf just jumped out of the fire, uh, which we would say, liar, liar, your pants are on fire, Aaron. That didn't happen. They formulated that golden calf to be worshipped. And you know the rest of the story of how God condemns them and God brings judgment upon them for worshipping that golden calf because God will have no other gods before him. Well, you would think after what they went through in the wilderness uh, that they would have learned uh, from history and they would have said, you know, Jeroboam, uh, that whole uh, worshipping that golden calf thing uh, that didn't work out too good for our forefathers. You remember what happened when Aaron led the people to make this golden calf, but, but Jeroboam wanted nothing to do with history, and he set up a golden calf. Verse number 9 of chapter 8, it says it's going to get so bad for them that Assyria will finally take them into captivity. Yet they turn foolishly to the enemy. They try to buy off the Assyrians. And it says there was an altar, verse number 11, Uh, that was put in a place of worship, and it was a place where they were supposed to come to God to seek forgiveness, but the altar became sin to Israel because they were worshiping falsely. So what they decided to do is, is try to worship Jehovah God on one hand and then try to worship this calf on the other hand. You know, when I think about the dangers of syncretism is what it's called. You know, religion can be a curse, not a blessing. Religion can be a curse if we put our allegiance into the fact that we're going to obey the dictates of a man, not God's word. You see, we have this tendency to think that we are the captain of our very own souls, that we have this capacity to direct and guide our own lives. That's the sin of pride. In the broadcast tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week, I'm going to be talking about the the seven deadly sins, the sins that cause us to actually die, what separates us from God, and what 
what causes us to, to have a world of trouble are these sins that is mentioned in the book of Proverbs. But as I think about that phrase, I am the captain of my own soul. It reminds me of that poem, Invictus. And this is a poem that was written by William Ernest Henley. And as you look at this poem, the last phrase of that poem says this, It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. 1875, British poet William Ernest Henley published this very short poem that I just read the the last part of that poem, and it expressed one way to cope with life's circumstances, right? And the way to cope with these circumstances is to kind of pull up your boots by your own strength and to be the master of your fate, right? Had the mindset, if it's to be, it's going to be because of me. But with this poem called Invictus, ended with these famous lines, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. In popular culture, these last two lines usually represent some kind of a, of a heroic and self-sufficient stand against evil, a stand against injustice, without submitting to God. In other words, we're going to be good for goodness' sake. For over a hundred years, Henley's poem has inspired many people. In the 1980s, the poem encouraged former South African President Nelson Mandela through the dark days of his imprisonment. Years later, Clint Eastwood, he used it in a title for his popular film about the South African rugby team. Sadly, this poem was also a great influence on Oklahoma City bomber Timothy McVeigh, who was responsible for the deaths of 168 men, women, and children, and more than 800 people were injured. He scribbled out the words of Invictus and handed it to the authorities as his last words before his execution. Just 16 years after Henley published Invictus, there was another British man not a poet, but a preacher, a British preacher by the name of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And he offered another philosophy of life on June 7th, 1891. In the closing words of his final sermon, Charles Spurgeon urged people to submit to a better captain for our souls. Spurgeon says, every person must serve someone. We have no choice as to that fact. Those who have no master are slaves to themselves. Depend upon it. You will either serve Satan or Christ, either self or the Savior. You will find sin, self, Satan, and the world to be very hard taskmasters. But if you wear the uniform of Christ, you will find him so meek and lowly of heart that you will find rest unto your souls. If you could see our captain, you would go down on your knees and you would beg him to let you enter the ranks of those who follow him. It is heaven to serve Jesus. Oh, today, 
I want you to know that the Lord wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to come back. He wants you to be back into the fold. He welcomes you back into the fold. He doesn't make it hard for you to come back. But when you come back, you've got to walk in his ways. You've got to live in his word. And you've got to learn from your mistakes. You see, Israel wanted religion, but God wanted righteousness. I want you to know that you can have an ongoing relationship with the Lord. You will be surprised at the joy you will experience when you're walking with the Lord. You know, people love surprises. In murder mysteries, maybe not in real life, but they love surprises, especially in murder mysteries. Well, every year, mystery novels have a higher sales than any other book genre except romantic novels. You know, the best-selling fiction of all time, Agatha Christie's, uh, who was 1890 to 1976, wrote over 90 books that archive sales of around $4 billion. Now, the books were, were popular primarily because of their surprising plot twist that kept the reader guessing until the very end. Well, after several of her books were dramatized into plays and films, Christie decided to write her own plays. By the end of the Second World War, she was as well-known for her plays as for her books. The Mousetrap, for example, in which the snowbound guests at a country house include a murderer, is the world's longest-running play. Having been continually on the stage, since his debut in 1952. Well, Christie's writing became a way of escape from two unfortunate surprises in her life. Both happened in 1926. First, her beloved mother died. While Christie was still grieving, her husband of 12 years asked for a divorce. After that double whammy, Christie went from an occasional amateur writer to a prolific professional, averaging three or four novels every single year. Her friend, who was a historian, said that in 1926, it had left its traces all through her work. It also made her the great woman she became. You know, surprises in our life can be devastating or they can be elating. They can be debilitating or they can be motivating. They can show us that we are on the right track or convince us that we need to pursue a new path. As much as an event may catch us off guard, however, it is never a surprise to God. An author of a mystery novel knows the ending and how the characters arrive there. God knows the same for each of our lives. He studies all the possible outcomes of our decisions. At every juncture, he knows the right path for us to take. The closer we are to God, the fewer the surprises we'll encounter, except in murder mysteries. The book of Proverbs says in Proverbs 5.21, Your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all of your heart. You know, I love Proverbs chapter 5. What a blessing and encouragement that is to us. Let's look at part of that passage in the closing moments that we have together. Let's look at verses 20 and 23 of Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs 5 says, Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom 
of a wayward woman, for your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them, the cords of their sin hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their own great folly. See, the enemy wants us to be led astray, but God wants us to be faithful to him. God wants us to walk in his ways. You know, there's a correlating psalm to that Proverbs chapter 5. Psalm 16, beginning at verse number 7 says, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, oh, my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not lead my soul into hell, nor will you allow my Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know, as I think about these two passages, there's some questions I think that we could apply to our lives. Maybe some application and some some reflection. In Proverbs chapter 5, Solomon laments that too often a man is led astray by a wayward woman or evil deeds of the wicked. I want to ask you a question. It's a question I ask myself. What things lead you astray? And why do they lead you astray? Uh, Maybe you're listening to me today and you say, you know, uh, one of the things that has led me astray is social media. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe you need to greatly reduce the amount of social media that you allow yourself to be exposed to? You know, we are called upon to walk in his ways. I don't think you're going to have a a strong relationship with the Lord if you're spending more of your face on Facebook than you are in his book. God's called us to be doers of the word, not just hearers. We also learned from this passage that there's a way to respond. In the past few years of your life, what unexpected things have happened? To you. There's so many things in our lives that we didn't expect. We didn't expect COVID. Uh, We didn't expect 9 11 going back uh, over 20 years. There's a lot of things in life that we don't expect. I didn't expect to be a prison chaplain. I've been serving now as a prison chaplain for well over 20 years. I didn't even expect to be a pastor. And I've been pastoring now for over 30 years. There are some blessings in life, there are unexpected blessings in life. But then sometimes there's some difficult things that come into our lives. I didn't expect to be the dad of a son that has autism, a low-functioning, nonverbal. I never saw that one coming. I didn't expect that. And although it's been difficult, it has turned into one of the greatest joys of my life. You know, that's kind of how God rolls. God loves to take the ashes of disaster and turn them into success. When something unexpected happens to you, how quickly do you turn to God? How often do you try to deal with the surprise on your own first? And that's exactly what the nation of Israel find themselves constantly doing, going back to their own wisdom, going back to their own ideas, 
Uh, let's go back to the Lord. Let's go back to the scriptures. Let's go back to experiencing Him, and you'll discover a whole new level of joy. Well, my time is just about up, but I want to invite you to join me for our first annual Winterfest on December the 9th, 4 o'clock to 8 o'clock at Hickory Ridge Community Church. Come on out with your family. We're going to have food trucks out there, lots of events happening. You can take a hay wagon ride through the uh, through the woods, and uh, we set a beautiful encounter up for you. And then at the end, uh, if you come, look for me. I'll be in one of the tents. I'm going to give an opportunity to share the gospel at the end of the Winterfest. And so if you come, make sure you say hello to me, uh, and I'll be working one of the tents. We'll have two gospel tents that'll be set up, and uh, I'll be working one of those. So come find me. I'd love to meet you in person. I'd love to get to know you. And uh, come and join us, okay? And then on Christmas Eve, December 24, uh, we're doing two Christmas Eve services. One at 9 o'clock in the morning and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 9 o'clock in the morning and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, Sorry about that confusion. 9 a.m., 3 p.m., Christmas Eve, our Christmas Eve candlelight services on December 24th. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I've so enjoyed speaking with you. God bless you. Have a blessed day. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.